When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Let's start off another week on that road to WrestleMania coming fresh off Elimination Chamber. Welcome to the show. Coming at you from the Not Sam Studio. I mean, seconds after the Elimination Chamber has gone off the air. Steve Kern is on TV talking about FCW, which... I guess technically it's premiering now, but it's been on WWE Network for like, I don't know, at least 12 hours now. So best believe I've already seen it. And we'll talk about that. My pal Dave LaGreca from Busted Open is going to be on the show today. What a not Sam wrestling we have for you. But I felt it necessary to come at you as quickly as I could following the chamber, following everything that happened after Elimination Chamber. And keep in mind, I haven't sat with it yet, right? If this show came out on like a Tuesday or something, it would be much easier because then I'd have 24 hours. I could sit with how I felt about it. I could read, you know, all your comments in the Discord room. I could look at my aunt mentions, the whole thing. But no, that's not how we do things here. We start the week out with Not Sam Wrestling and I got to tell you my immediately my immediate reflections of the Elimination Chamber. I think something that really struck a lot of people was the fact that for the majority of the Women's Chamber match, the match that main evented the show, and the match that really, well, I'll talk about that, that people were sitting on their hands for a lot of that match, that a lot of, a, a lot of non-reactions were happening. And, I mean... It's kind of hard to blame Philly for some of that. Keep in mind now, the show's been going since 6.30 or so is when the first match happened. It's now four hours in. You've been sitting there for four hours now. So, you plus it's daylight savings. Everybody's tired anyway. But beyond all that, the makeup of the women's elimination chamber match didn't leave you with much. I mean... Unfortunately, it is what it is. Sarah Logan has only recently even been on Raw. The idea that people would go crazy to see Sarah Logan on a pay-per-view, I don't think that you would think that that would happen. This is a person who's been on main event for for most of the time leading up to this and then popped back onto TV, you know, in the last three or four weeks, I suppose. You've got Ruby Riot, who's only been back two weeks, I think, two or three weeks which is exciting that she's back, but a, a storyline, a real storyline involving Ruby Riot hasn't happened yet since she's been back. And the only rivalry, which is Ruby Riot versus Liv Morgan, like the match already already happened with Sarah Logan as the referee. Like it, it's so you don't even have that unknown of what's going to happen when the Riot squad combusts because we already know. We already had Ruby Riot versus Liv Morgan with Sarah Logan as the referee. Liv Morgan, um, while I think she could be an X factor depending on situations, I think that if this were happening right after the Lana thing, 
then maybe. But I think people are waiting uh, with live too to see what is the next thing, right? You've got Natalia, who I think people are always going to have a level of respect for. And then at the end of the day, you've really got the people this match was about, which is Shayna Baszler and Asuka. And even with Asuka there, I think the main reason why people were quiet going into this match is because, as I said on the bump, it wasn't shtick when I said it on the bump. It was a foregone conclusion. Nobody thought that anybody besides Shayna Baszler would win this match. There was no conversation of anybody besides Shayna Baszler coming out. Nobody saw WrestleMania going to be Becky Lynch versus Natalya. Nobody thought it was going to be Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Here's the problem. At one point, Becky Lynch is sitting there watching the pay-per-view, standing up for whatever reason. She could have been sitting. But she had her jacket on, right? She had this leather jacket on. And on the leather jacket, she has logos on the sleeve of various women that she's already defeated. Two of the logos on her sleeve were in the chamber. If those logos are already on the sleeve, it was Natalia's logo was at the bottom of the sleeve and Asuka's logo was on the sleeve. These are people that have already been conquered. I can't sit here and realistically believe that Becky Lynch, the biggest female name in wrestling, is going to go to WrestleMania to take on somebody that she has already conquested. So Natalia and, uh, and Asuka are taken out. There's no way it's Liv Morgan. There's definitely no way it's Sarah Logan. Unless you've got huge plans for Ruby Riot. That could that's the only real X factor. That, that that Shayna Baszler was a red herring, and what you didn't realize is we had these massive plans for Ruby Riot. And it could be interesting, you know. I, I could see a world where you spend the next four weeks building and building and building Ruby Riot to the point where you think she actually has a shot against Becky Lynch. It could happen. Could but probably wouldn't, right? Nobody thought that Shayna Baszler wasn't going to win this match. So, you know, and I'm not saying she shouldn't have won. It's what people wanted. I also think there was this idea, you know, a lot of people thought maybe Nia Jax would make an appearance. They thought there would be some kind of surprise in the match because they so clearly knew what was going to happen. I don't think anybody realized how dominant Shayna Baszler would be. I thought that the portrayal of Shayna Baszler in this match was really excellent. You know, I thought that they they did enough to protect Asuka in the sense that nobody was any kind of match for Shayna Baszler except Asuka, right? So the fact that she was even sort of a match for Asuka puts her on a different level than the other four women that Shayna Baszler was able to take out. So, you know, based on where Asuka's been in the last couple years, I was actually okay with it. As big of an Asuka fan as I am, I was like, yeah, I mean, I you know what this match is about. And the fact that Asuka got any offense in whatsoever was good. You know, I think Shayna Baszler is being uh, packaged to be shown as the female Brock, which I, I said up and down. You know, people said Ronda Rousey is the female Brock. I said Ronda Rousey is not the female Brock, was never the female Brock. Ronda Rousey is a human being with emotions. Some of the people look up to as a role model. There's layers to Ronda Rousey. Brock is a monster and he's a beast and that's it. Ronda Rousey was never a female Brock Lesnar. Shayna Baszler could be, you know? And I think that that's what this is about. That said, 
when you have a match where everybody knows who's going to win and it really just becomes an elimination chamber match about one person, I don't know if that's the match that you put on last because it leaves you going like you walk in thinking it's going to go a certain way. It goes exactly how you thought it was going to go. And then you go to bed and you're like, huh, okay, well, I guess Raw will be good. You know, it's almost like you could have done that elimination. You could have brought the chamber and done the elimination chamber match on SmackDown because it wasn't this big chapter. It was, yeah, I guess we had to get through this. I would think that originally, probably the original plan was to have the men's elimination chamber match go on last because theoretically that might be a little tougher to call. But I think at the end of the day, everybody would have known that Roman Reigns was going to win that match. And that's why I, the men's elimination chamber match in the traditional sense probably didn't happen. That's why, you know, last week we found out it was a tag team championship match because because it, it, it gets to the point where you're like, look, we can't have two elimination chamber matches that everybody clearly knows what's going to happen. It's the exact same story in both matches. Let's switch it. Let's just announce it's Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm, and I'm not even mad at that because I'm like, I, I would have asked that question. I would have sat here today and said, we've now got these two elimination chamber matches that were really just obstacles that a person had to get through. In They just became storytelling devices. They weren't moments that stood on their own at all. Um, So I think that's why people were kind of sitting on their hands in that match. I think the match did exactly what it was supposed to do. I think Shayna Baszler comes out looking, you know, a million bucks strong. Anybody that wasn't familiar with her NXT work is, which is probably more than you assume now sees that, okay, we've got a real threat here and you can go into WrestleMania. Now, because of the way this elimination chamber match, it's very similar to how we talk about Brock and the way that Brock has been portrayed over the years leaves it. So he could conceivably beat just about anybody. The way that Shayna Baszler was portrayed in this Elimination Chamber match, it leaves you to, to feeling as though she could go into WrestleMania and beat Becky Lynch. And that's exactly what you want. So I think ultimately, it was a complete success for where you want to go with it. I just think for tonight, as a standalone, like that match isn't going to, that match will go on a Shayna Baszler highlight reel. That match won't go on a list of great Elimination Chamber matches. Um, I, There's no other match on the card that you could have ended that show with and had it made a lick of sense whatsoever. So, you know, I can't even sit here. I, I, I just think that that might be why people feel a, a, a certain way. Um, I'm looking to see in the Discord room now uh, if there's any questions. Feel free to drop them in. As we're recording. Uh, but yeah. So congratulations to Shayna Baszler. It did go how it should have gone. But I think we all saw it coming uh, a mile away. I, I think I know. As I was watching the show. In my opinion. There were three. Winning moments. Of the show. There was. I can tell you. To me who had the best chamber. Who had the best night. I can tell you what was definitely match of the night. And I can tell you what was the most newsworthy item of the night. 
So the most newsworthy item of the night, and to me the most unexpected item, though the item that makes the most sense probably, is Sami Zayn walking out with the Intercontinental Championship. Loved it. Not predictable. You know, I think walking in, and I kind of alluded to this when I was on the bump, walking in, it was kind of this sort of exhausting, we all know how good Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn are. Anybody against those three should not win, like, and but you just know Braun's going to win. And then he doesn't. Sami Zayn actually leaves with the title. And it was one of those things where I was, I was like, watching, thinking, oh, is something going to happen? Is Braun going to jump up and come back from the dead? Is the referee going to realize somebody's foot was on the rope? Like, sitting there watching, going, wait, something's got to give here. Something's got to give here. Something's got to give here. And when it didn't, I was like, oh, my God, what a moment. That was great. That's wrestling. You know what I mean? Those moments when you go, it would make perfect sense if this happened, but I don't think it will. And then it does. And you go, yes, I love it. Because now I want to see where this goes. Now we've got some story. Now this is more than just Braun Strowman's a monster. Now he's got a real cause. And Sami Zayn is now walking into WrestleMania with the same wrestling gear that General Adnan wore with those baggy cargo pants. Ridiculous look, but perfect for the Sami Zayn of 2020. Now we've got this scenario where Sami Zayn is walking into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to tune into SmackDown and find out. I didn't see it coming. I was ready to just kind of go like, okay, yep, Braun wins, got it. I remember how this goes. And when it didn't happen, it was like, great. And I think that this show needed stuff like that because besides that match, the rest of the show in terms of results was very, very predictable. You know, I think that, that I, not in a bad way necessarily, very, very predictable in the sense that really there's only one way that most of these matches could have gone without kind of being destructive to at least one, if not both parties. You know, whether it was the opening match, the U.S. title match, the tag elimination chamber match, the Alistair match, you know, everything. The Raw tag team title match, you kind of knew where everything, or at least I did, where everything was going to go. So I like that there was this one moment that still made sense. Braun Strowman doesn't come across any weaker. Sami Zayn is more of a weasel than ever. Uh, so I, there's there's nothing really to complain about with that. I like that that moment existed. So that was my moment of the night. That was my winning moment. My winning superstar of the night? I don't think you could even question it. If you say, what superstar won the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view? Should be an easy one going off in everybody's head right now. I'll give you two seconds. One, two. You got it? It's Drew Gulak. Clearly, it is Drew Gulak. You're talking about a guy who has been putting on great performances for a very long time now. When he had that run as Cruiserweight Champion for 205 Live, every Cruiserweight title match that they put on, on kickoff shows was excellent. Every promo that he was doing on 205 Live, the 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 PowerPoints, the uh, anti-flying campaign, all of it was brilliant. I mean, Drew Gulak is like this 
hidden little piece of gold that WWE has had for a long time with just no sort of idea how to use it. You know, I think I think Drew Gulak, when he's done being in the ring, is it could potentially be an incredible manager to somebody. Because his promos are great. He's charismatic. He's just a natural heel. He's awesome. But tonight, he ends up in this match with Daniel Bryan, which if you've been watching SmackDown, you've been seeing this Daniel Bryan-Drew Gulak story work throughout the weeks. Drew Gulak jumping on commentary uh, during Daniel Bryan matches. Always doing a good job, by the way. Uh, And you're going, well, where's this leading? Like, there's no way they're just going to do Drew Gulak versus Daniel Bryan at the chamber. Right? And then a couple days ago on Friday, we find out wrong. As a matter of fact, absolutely. Daniel Bryan challenges Drew Gulak to a match at the chamber. Uh, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought they had, the, they had the crowd the whole time. Daniel Bryan made Drew Gulak look like a million bucks. The amount of offense that Drew Gulak got in throughout that match and the fact that it was believable. I thought the commentators were pretty good telling that story. You know, Graves and uh, and Michael Cole explaining how Drew Gulak had told Heath Slater to work on the leg a couple of weeks ago, and now Drew Gulak was in there working on the leg himself. Like, you got, you got a sense of why this match was happening. And then you got to see this really incredible wrestling match happening right in the ring. Ironically, between two guys who at a point both heard you would never wrestle on a WWE pay-per-view. What are you, crazy? I think it's an interesting point for Daniel Bryan because I think that this match almost acts as a as a kind of a refresher. You know, I think that the uh, rivalry with The Fiend brought in this new Daniel Bryan character, you know, where he's shaven down, he's shorn, and he's a good guy again. And I think that this match is a transitional match for Daniel Bryan, where he just has this great match where he's clearly the good guy. The other guy's clearly the bad guy. Shows a sign, has a sign of respect for Gulak at the end of the thing. And then he goes off. And I think going into WrestleMania, he'll probably do something else. And he'll probably start to uh, inch up towards that, you know, upper tier category. And who knows what comes next for Drew Gulak. But I think he exposed himself to an entirely new audience. I bet there are a lot of people watching Elimination Chamber that had no idea, had never seen a Drew Gulak match before. And believe it or not, to those of us who just inundate ourselves with wrestling content, I'll bet there were a lot, a lot of people uh, who hadn't seen a Drew Gulak match before tonight. And now they have. You know? And, 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 And they've seen him at his best. He delivered 110%. I don't know what more that anybody could have asked for from Drew, Drew Gulak, but I think he had, he was the superstar of the night. And for me, match of the night was uh, actually Aleister Black versus AJ Styles. I thought just as a match, it was a fantastic match, even before the Undertaker appearance, which I'll talk about in a second because I liked the way that was done. But like there were many moments, like the, uh, the trip when 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 Alistair gave AJ that shin kick when they were standing on the table and he knocks his shins up in the air, which leads to AJ just pancaking face first on the table. I was watching at home. I was like, whoa. I thought that match 
top to bottom was was great. Um, and it was one of those things that the Undertaker appearance was one of those things where we I I'll speak for myself. I thought this would be a good moment for the Undertaker to appear. But the thing about the Undertaker is you don't know. It is so special and so protected when the Undertaker shows up that you can never take for granted that he'll just be there. But he was. Of course, he puts AJ Styles down for the choke slam. I liked that, like, the lights went out and Undertaker appeared and Aleister Black disappeared. Then the lights went out again and Undertaker disappeared and Aleister Black reappeared. Almost like there was some soul sharing going on, some shape shifting, something where there somehow the darkness intertwines and connects the Undertaker and Aleister Black. That was well done. Um, of course, we know, based on two instances now, that AJ Styles simply cannot get up after a choke slam. And the Undertaker, as long as AJ Styles has been in the game and as good as his defenses are, there is nothing. AJ Styles can do to stop an Undertaker chokeslam. It's never going to happen. If he gets to WrestleMania and the Undertaker wraps those hands around his neck, AJ Styles is Dunsky. Dunsky. Undertaker doesn't even have to take off his coat. He did this time. He didn't have a coat on. But even if he had left his coat on, chokeslam AJ Styles, AJ's done for the night. Happened at Super Showdown. Happened again tonight. Aleister Black got the win. It's left a lot of people, and, and you know, we'll find out more tonight on Raw. I'm, I'm assuming that that's when the match will actually get made. I would lean more towards the idea of it would appear that we're going to do an Aleister Black Undertaker tag team against the OC uh, in three-on-two style. I would imagine that that's where they're going. But at the same time, I mean, there hasn't been any interaction between Aleister Black and The Undertaker. Which leads me to believe that since Aleister Black got the victory over AJ Styles, if they wanted to make it a singles match, they still could. If they wanted to just make it Undertaker versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania, and now Aleister Black has conquered AJ Styles and he's off to do something else, I don't think that would be a disruptive thing. I think that that would be okay. You know, I think that we could leave this going, I'd love to see Undertaker and Aleister team up. We could also leave saying... You know, Alistair and AJ are done competing and nobody would sit there going like, that feels unfinished. You go, okay, if you're telling me it's finished now, it's finished now. I think up until tonight, I definitely said that I, I would have preferred an Undertaker-AJ Styles singles match. But I'm starting to really dig the idea of Alistair Black and the Undertaker as a team. Uh, I think it would be really good for Alistair Black and yeah, and I just think it could be a cool, a cool thing to see the two of them together. And you always talk about the torch being passed. People always talk about uh, the torch being passed as if that happens when a guy gets beat, right? Warrior beats Hogan, Hogan passes the torch to Warrior, right? But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, The Undertaker teaming with Aleister Black could be a symbolic passing of the torch right there. You know, that's one of those things where Alistair Black, because in my opinion, AJ Styles is not beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, whether it's tag team or singles. AJ Styles is designed to be able to have a great match with The Undertaker, lose, 
and not look weaker for it. That's just, I mean, he's the phenomenal one. He can handle it. In a tag team, however, that does lead to the criticism that you're using legends to just, just for the sake of using legends. Like you're not, if that's the case, you're not having legends come in to build up your current roster. You're actually using your current roster to build up legends, which is bass backwards. If it's a tag team match, even if The Undertaker gets the pin over AJ Styles, the idea that Alistair and The Undertaker lift their arms up together, well, now you have, theoretically, passed the torch to Alistair Black to some extent. So I think that actually could be a really good thing. Some of your feedback on... Uh, on Elimination Chamber coming from uh, the coach, uh, Adair, in the Discord room. Uh, oh, coach in front row are talking about Lince Dorado having a strong night. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I loved that uh, off-the-ceiling spot, um, the shooting star press off the roof of the chamber. I actually thought Lucha House Party as a team did really well in that tag team chamber match. Um I saw some of your questions about my take on the SmackDown Tag Team Championships being defended in the chamber. Uh, you know, again, I assumed it would go down exactly as it went down with, you know, I loved more, uh, Miz putting the figure four and then Morrison doing the Starship Pain while Miz had the figure four applied. I thought that was great. Um, you know, that, that, that teamwork was really good. Uh, clearly, you know, people thought that they squeaked by. I think that, that that's how people should feel, that they did just kind of squeak by. Um, but, you know, I also think that the Miz and Morrison as a team have been damaged by losing twice since winning the Tag Team Championship. They won the Tag Team Championship at Super Showdown. The next night, they lost to the Usos. The week after that, they go into the Tag Team Gauntlet which they should never have been in the tag team gauntlet. I think that the, the, the Miz and Morrison should have gotten a favored nations clause or, 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 or a favored treatment where they ended up, without even being in a gauntlet match, they ended up as the last people to go in because they're the champs. You know, the idea that the champs would be in a gauntlet match, I feel like, like to me, when Dolph and Robert Roode won the gauntlet match, I feel like they can sit there and say, well, we should be the tag team champions because the tag champions were in this gauntlet match and they lost. And the Usos are like, well, we also, there's now a competition between multiple teams on the roster as to who has beaten the tag team champions worst when, or, 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 or worse when the tag team champions have only been the tag team champions for two weeks. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I think there's a disconnect right now. And I think leading to WrestleMania, the Miz and Morrison have to come across a lot stronger. They have to start winning matches against people. You, you have to. The, cha the champions have to, at some point, have to win matches. You know, and I don't think this one counted. They need to go and a bell rings and they have a match and they win the match. And then people might be like, okay, I guess they are the tag team champions. Uh... It's funny, if you look at the video, there's a social video that The Bump tweeted out, uh, and Matt Camp from The Bump asked me as I was putting my picture up on The Bump wall there in Stamford. Uh, he said, what do you see as Kevin Owens' path to WrestleMania? And I said, well, you know, I mean, Kevin Owens is the reason why uh, Murphy— I actually said Buddy, and then in the subtitles, they 
wrote Murphy, which I think is funny, but uh, is the reason why Murphy and Rollins lost the tag titles of the Street Profits. He is the one that cost them the titles. I think he's probably going to be the reason that they don't win at uh, Elimination Chamber, and then Rollins will have a bone to pick with him. And I think that that's, you know, I thought that that's what was going to happen. That is what happened. We, I think Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens is going to be your WrestleMania match. I'm good with that. As a person who was watching Ring of Honor in the Age of the Fall era, I'm very good with, you know, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins being a big match at WrestleMania. So, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. It, it went as I thought it would go, and it allows, I think it frees up the tag team championships for a team like the Street Profit to, I said championships, I pluralized it. It frees up the tag team championship to for a team like the Street Profits to, uh, dominate over a division that they can actually dominate over. When, you, when you've when you got a guy who's a main eventer, like Seth Rollins, who is a, a discussion piece for the WWE championship, when he enters himself in the tag division and wins the, ta one, you know, and wins the tag championship, then it becomes difficult for all the tag teams because there are no tag teams in the WWE that are sort of more fearsome than the... the heavyweight champion of the world. So I think that having that main event singles guy removed from the tag division allows the tag division to exist. You know, I think maybe the Street Profits versus the Authors of Pain might be a very good tag team championship match to do at WrestleMania. You do the Street Profits versus the Authors of Pain, and then you do Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, and, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins has Murphy in his corner. You know, I think that's where... I would probably go with that. Um, what else? Uh, 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 uh. Front Row says, uh, do you think we'll see Undertaker versus AJ or perhaps Undertaker? Oh, yeah, I covered that. Um, what would your matches be for WrestleMania? Got that. Where do you see the Kabuki Warriors going to WrestleMania? That is a, a good question because I think that that's where you have to go. You know, I think that, that now we took a kind of a break Look, here's the thing. Asuka was in a very bad place six months ago or so. You know, Asuka had a great Royal Rumble 2019 and then lost the SmackDown Women's Championship before WrestleMania. And from that point on, from the point that Charlotte won the SmackDown Women's Championship, until really the end of 2019, until really the Kabuki Warriors formed and they won the Women's Tag Team Championship, Asuka was just in a terrible place. She wasn't even on TV for half the time. Uh, I think the Kabuki Warriors formation has been really well done. I think seeing uh, Kairi Sane evolve into the fact into the this character that looks like she could be teaming with Asuka um, and, the, and them turning heel, I think was a very, very good thing. I think the Green Mist is good. I think, you know, bad guy Asuka is a, is a good place for Asuka to be in right now. Uh, they took a break, conceivably, from defending the Women's Tag Team Championships and from there being any real discussion of the Women's Tag Team Championship so that Asuka could go and, and face Becky Lynch at Royal Rumble and, and, and remind people that she is a main event caliber talent. And I think that it's been good for Asuka. I think it's been a good exercise. But I think now we use that before it all goes away. Because she's not going to be in a WrestleMania match. So before it all goes away, I think that you need to have uh, 
the Kabuki Warriors as a tag team. I mean, starting Monday, starting today, you need to have the Kabuki Warriors put back on that pedestal as a team and move forward that way. I think that it's, I think that that's pretty important to do. And what's the team that, that could face the Kabuki Warriors at WrestleMania? I don't know. You know, I think it would have to be something that evolves. I mean, I think you got to bring the Iconics back finally and maybe have the Kabuki Warriors beat the Iconics on the way to WrestleMania. Maybe you actually do. You know, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross put it out there on SmackDown. Maybe Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki Warriors is your WrestleMania match. I wouldn't be mad at it, you know, but I think there should be at least four women's matches at WrestleMania. I mean, it's a 19-hour show. Why not? Why not put, you're going to do the NXT championship at WrestleMania. So I think all, there's now four women's championships, all of them in, in, in contention at WrestleMania. All four of them should be there. Unless you're going to do, you're going to have two women from NXT team up and the Kabuki Warriors are going to come down to do takeover, which I don't think is going to happen because you got six women already in that ladder match. So, you know, I don't think you want your number seven and number eight seed teaming up for a tag team championship match at TakeOver. That seems like a, not a, a a giant event. Even if it's on a kickoff show, and it might be, I think that I think that there's a place for the Kabuki Warriors to defend the women's tag team championships at WrestleMania. And I wouldn't mind tag team championship. I feel like it's in my head because I just did the Cultaholic show and I said that that was one of my pet peeves and now I'm pluralizing it because I don't like it. But I think that, yeah, having the Kabuki Warriors defend the tag team championship at WrestleMania is a must. And I don't know, you know, I I could see them uh, running through some tag teams on Raw only for Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to be like, okay, time to Nikki cross that line over to SmackDown and give us the opportunity at WrestleMania. Uh, so those are my thoughts. If you haven't seen uh, the FCW documentary on the WWE Network, I would absolutely check it out. I thought it was uh, really, really good. It's not a series. It's just a documentary. It's about an hour, 20 minutes. And, I mean, it's awesome. You're talking about Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Corey Graves, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre. I mean, everybody that went through that program. That was like when they shut down OVW before they opened Raw, uh, uh, NXT. That whole generation, you know, Fandango. So check it out if you get a chance. Uh, right now, I want to welcome in a friend of mine. Uh, to talk about everything leading up towards WrestleMania season and a lot of the stuff we've been talking about on the podcast lately. His name is David LaGreca. You may see his uh, his big fat head in the audience of wrestling events constantly, whether it be WWE, whether it be AEW. Uh, the LaGreca head makes its appearance uh, at more shows than not these days. Busted Open has become a huge show on SiriusXM. It's Dave every day. And he's hosting with either Bully Ray or Mark Henry or Tommy Dreamer uh, based on the day. I know a lot of you guys that listen to this show listen to that show. Uh, and I wanted to have him come down to the Not Sam studio to talk some wrestling. So that's what we're going to do right now here on Not Sam Wrestling. Hey, guys, we'll get to the Dave LaGreca conversation in just a minute. But imagine getting to hear this podcast the second that Elimination Chamber was over last night. Imagine that. Early access to the show. Imagine not having to hear this advertisement right now. Imagine if you got another Not Sam Wrestling show every single week, twice a week instead of once a week. Well, you don't have to imagine that 
if you're a not Sam Shill. Everybody on our Patreon page already gets to experience all those things I just listed. Patreon.com slash not Sam Wrestling is the spot to be if you want to become a not Sam Shill. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, the Thursday podcast available exclusively there. This podcast comes out early and ad-free, exclusively there. The early podcast, the additional Thursday bonus show available to every tier over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. That means for less than a dollar a week, you can get double the podcast and you can get it earlier. You add a couple more bucks in, you can watch me Tape the show live. You can interact. You can watch video of everything that we do. There's merch offers. There's live show offers. Everything you could imagine at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Plus, every single tier gets access to our exclusive Discord room where you can talk to listeners of this show about wrestling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was bumping for Elimination Chamber. You should have been there, and you could have been there. If you are a Not Sam show, sign up today at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. My friend, host of Busted Open on Sirius XM, icon of the Fathead <laughs> era, Dave LaGreca is finally here in the Not Sam studio. We should have done this a long time ago. Of course. I can't yeah. believe you never invited me. I was actually, mm -hmm. this invitation, mm -hmm. I didn't take it lightly. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm so excited to have you, mainly because, you know, I have a, a, a Patreon audience for Not Sam Wrestling. And they're in the, disc. They, I, we set up a Discord room for them. And they're in that Discord room 24 hours a day. And ev like it, dri to the, it drives me crazy to the point where I was like, I set this room up so you guys could talk about my show. And I'm not kidding you or blowing smoke every single morning at 9 a.m. While I'm doing my radio show, by the way, people in the Discord room start chiming in. Busted Open's on. Guess who's in today? Guess. And I'm like, look, I know that you guys are wrestling fans and Busted Open is an amazing show. But could you at least like get this excited about my show that the room is named after. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't it's even tough. know. I don't even know what a Discord is, but it's good to hear that there's people who enjoy listening to me are on it. Right. That's the. That's I think the... Discord is something I try to keep my daughter off of. Okay. She's no, sixteen. It's... Like that's like one of the uh, yeah the, the things to keep the teenagers off of. Am I right? That the is, Discord, right? That is one of those things where you go home and you go like, I don't want you on the Reddit or the Discord <laughs> or the, and it just yeah. makes you sound out of touch. <laughs> okay, Dad. And you always put the in front of it, so it's the Discord. The Reddit, the, the Reddit, Discord, yeah. get off the YouTube. Yeah, you're like the the YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough, and that's why we have this world of wrestling to escape into, right? That's right. That's and why. you know what? This studio is amazing. I oh, love it. come on. Thank like, you. The TV, the people who are watching this on video, it doesn't do justice. This is pretty amazing. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. It was, you know, I thought it was necessary when we moved into a place with space that wasn't a one-bedroom apartment anymore. I said, there has to be a studio. And there should be a Nazi Sam studio, you know, to do stuff like this in. Um, I'm also glad that you're here because there's this phenomenon that's been happening over the last over the last year or so, but it really started picking up in October when people started to kind of draw lines in the sand as to who they were supporting. And that is that for a really long time, I had the market cornered on being a shell. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, it was that, it was. Now I know why you invited me. <laughs> that was the conversation. Like, we like everybody who does wrestling shows except Sam Roberts because he's a shill. 
And then I got to WWE and started doing kickoff shows. And people were like, you know, I used to like Sam, but now he's a shill. And I was like, you said it before. You're not hurting my feelings now. Like, nothing's changed, right? But the phenomenon that's happened is this shill thing has started to creep in, and it makes me happy. Because everybody that wasn't a shill before, when it was just me, now everybody's getting it. Yeah. Like, I see it all the time. And I saw it with you very recently. Because I did a whole podcast before Super Showdown explaining, kind of trying to brace people of going, look, Bill Goldberg may very well win the Universal Championship. And here's exactly why and, and how it wouldn't be that bad. And that's exactly what happened. And then I came on the next week and said, look, John Cena versus The Fiend is not bad for The Fiend. And this is going to be okay. And, you know, people were, you know, destroying me and whatnot. But it made me feel warmer it made me feel like there was more company when i saw company on on busted open you guys were having a very similar conversation and saying look this is a good spot for the fiend and you just got lambasted i i got my first death threat (laughs) like i've never had a death threat before and i got over over bray wyatt and john cena and goldberg is when i got my First death threat. See, you have it easier than I do because why? Because I get death threats all the time. Yes. So it's like who cares? So it's like now you're <laughs> used on. to it. No, but you're a you know you get labeled a WWE shill. Right. I'm a AEW mark and a WWE shill. Oh, so you get, I get them it, both. I get it from both sides. <laughs> I have no safe place. Right. I'm used to being called an AEW mark. That's what I'm called the most. Okay. But that was like the first time that I was labeled a WWE show to the point. Now people think that I'm getting paid by the WWE to spread their propaganda. Right. Like, and, and you're probably going to pop up on a pre-show pretty soon. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everyone's convinced of that at some point. First of all, (laughs) you and I both know that that's not going to happen because I'm not their demographic. They don't like anybody over the age of a certain age. And I'm over that age. I mean, they don't want somebody with a full, you know, gray hair on top of their head. I'm 48 years old. I'm, I'm really not expecting a phone call. And honestly, I don't know if I would want a phone call from the WWE. Um, I didn't grow up a WWE fan. I was an NWA guy. Right. So I get more joy from being... You're trying. You're waiting for that Billy Corgan call. Yeah. I'm waiting for the <laughs> Billy Corgan call more than I'm waiting for the Vince McMahon I mean, look, call. if they're going to... Uh, and, and they may not have the same biases that you're worried about. If they're hiring Sean Mooney... Yeah, you know, just, yeah, you know, it's, I, and, and I love it because I get uh, I get all the time. Oh, you just your favorite shows a- AEW. Oh, your favorite shows. I said no, my favorite shows NWA Power. <laughs> that's always like the same answer. And I, then yeah, that's like, okay. NWA Power is I think right now in wrestling the one thing that's safe to support, and it won't last. By the way, oh no, it won't last. It never does. But right now, it's safe to support NWA Power. I'll bring it up on the podcast. I've had Billy Corgan on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody can like acknowledge that the product is great, but it's also there's something uh, non-threatening about it in the sense that because it's uh, it's doing its own thing completely. There doesn't feel like they're trying to get eyes from anywhere. They're not taking eyes they're not away. Competing with anybody. They're not competing with anybody. But at some point, it will build up enough butts because it's such a good show that it will start to feel like. Well, now you can't like something else. Now you're okay. So if it's like a WWE shill or an AEW mark, I don't know what NWA is going to get their hands on. I don't know. I, I think a big part of it is that you don't. It's not on television. It's you know. It's on that's YouTube, true. It's streaming. Like if they ever got a TV deal, yeah, forget, that's when it would uh, explode. And yeah, people would get angry, especially because there is no day that they could go on 
and not be competing with wrestling at this point. Yeah, like, every day there's something. Right, right. You're like, oh, you're just competing with WWE backstage or something. Like <laughs> yeah, like, well, I'm Tuesdays at 11. You? Wait yeah. a second, I'm a WWE backstage guy. <laughs> but so you were, uh, but you stand by what you said. You think that uh, that the the Fiend John Cena pairing is a good WrestleMania pairing? Yes, and I thought they did a great job explaining that on Firefly Funhouse this past Friday. Yeah, like, did know, they the actually whole... like they dove headfirst in? They're not sort of just like dancing around the fact that there was this history a few years ago because Bray looked different then, and we're not. No, it's like here's the footage. Yeah, of yeah it. this is it. WrestleMania 30, yeah. and they were they kind of explained everything that you and I have been talking about. Even Bully, like you said, you braced your audience. Hey, this is about to happen. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing Bully did. Bully Ray did on Busted Open. He's like, this is gonna happen. Like this is and this is how it's gonna play out. Brace yourself, and then it happens, and everybody's like, "Ah, you know, you right. know, you know, my head's on fire." But you know what? It makes perfect sense, and it's aligned perfectly for everything the WWE wants to happen. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think it's going to be satisfying for the fan as well if they if they give it the time and patience to let it play out. It was yeah, and it it, it was driving me a little uh, crazy. There are people like you know, hot dog, my guy, hot dog. I love hot dog. I, I love hot, hot dog, dog every too. morning. But he's very annoying. He has these annoying takes. And he's insisting. And to this day, I had a conversation with him on Friday about it. He insists that people would have been fine with Roman Reigns beating The Fiend. And I'm like, on what planet? What are you talking about? What are you no talking way. about? Because, and this is where I really got called out for being a shill. I mean, this week. That, that This was my shill, my, my shill take of the week this week. That I said, and... I wasn't even necessarily advocating for it. I was just saying this is how it's going to go and this is why. That you go, well, The Fiend got buried at Super Showdown. How do you ever recover from that? And I said, I'll tell you how you recover from it. You never talk about it again. You just don't talk about Super Showdown. And that's exactly what happened. That they, they We're talking about Bill Goldberg as champion, mm -hmm. but we're not talking about the match with The Fiend. And that's not necessarily to erase the fact that it ever happened. It's just to say... That's not what we're focusing on. Just put your energy elsewhere. And it's I and I think that it's a way to help the fiend. And people go, Well, you can't just erase chapters in a book. And I go, Okay, all right, fine. You can't erase a chapter in a book, but look at any movie franchise. Depending on how far you get, if you get ten parts into a into a movie franchise, like there are Fast and the Furious movies that you don't really talk about you don't talk about Tokyo Drift so much. You know what I mean? You don't even really talk about the first four movies, right? Because now we're in a different place, and let's not even bring up the weird stuff that happened before. Let's just enjoy this part. And that's, I think, how you have to look at what WWE does sometimes, that some of those sequels you just don't bring up because you like the original so much. And, and that's fine, and you could definitely go that route, but I don't even think you have to go that deep because— I think the only mistake they made was putting a championship title on Bray Wyatt. They should to begin put, with. Yeah, they should never have done that. I, I thought that was a big mistake. They kind of painted themselves into a corner. But even like you're saying, hey, don't talk about the the match at Super Showdown in Saudi, like the, the loss to Goldberg. But I think it's even okay to go back to that because how did that segment end? With Bray Wyatt, on his, with the Fiend on his feet. And angry. Yes, and angry. And then he sent out a text the next or a tweet the next day saying it was a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately what he wants, his goal, is John Cena. Right. He knew and John Cena was getting. coming back. Yes. It was announced. Even and, and you could say, well, how do you know John Cena was going to go to WrestleMania? 
John Cena wasn't going to go to he WrestleMania. He wasn't. He said that he wasn't. Right. This wasn't his, for him anymore. There's a lot of young talent on this roster. It should be their moment. I do think that we need to hear from John Cena at some point as to why the sudden, like, all somebody had to do was point at a sign. And John Cena's like, all right, yeah, no, I'll do it. Like, we do need to hear from John Cena, like, why, why did that change your mind? Why and, the theme? And we have four, what, four more SmackDowns yeah, we have before plenty we of get time. to WrestleMania plenty where they can time. do that because no one thought they were going to bring up WrestleMania 30, and they did this past Friday. Right. So who knows where they're going to go? And Hot Dog's an idiot. Yeah, I, no, I'm no, sorry, no, that Hot is Dog, true. for saying that, but yeah. you're 100% wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying you're an idiot, but your take is because— Idiotic take. Yes, yes. because there is no way that fans would accept Roman Reigns— Beating the fiend at WrestleMania, yeah, they because, would get booed out of the building because Roman Reigns winning the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 36, the WrestleMania after he went away with cancer and came back. This is the moment that Roman Reigns people have been waiting for. Like this will be should he win the title. And by the way, it's WWE in 2020, so who really knows? You think? Yes. But who really knows? I mean, that's what I was saying this week about Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. The genius of the Brock Lesnar character is like, well, obviously Drew McIntyre is going to win the title. But can you tell me he's not going to lose in 30 seconds? I mean, I, I, there's a, a part of me, there's a big part of me that thinks Brock Lesnar is going to retain at WrestleMania right. 36. Because he did it. I mean, that's the same thing. Remember Roman at 30... 34. 34. Yep. Yeah. When everybody was like, well, obviously this is just... I mean, they were booing the match because they were so annoyed that it was just, all right, we'll put the crown on Roman, and then Brock just won. I, and, and here's the other thing, too, Sam. I know this is going to be a crazy take. Hot take. Um, is that, you know what? There's a part of me, actually, there's all of me, mm -hmm. that's rooting for this stuff to happen because I don't want to go into WrestleMania 36 wanting to boo a match or wanting to crap all over something. I want to enjoy WrestleMania 36. I know that sounds crazy. Right, why? But, you know, I'm going all the way to Tampa to see this. You know what? I actually want to enjoy it. Yeah. So let's see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah. Can we do that? Can we just take a second? Like, I mean, please. <laughs> yeah. Take a minute to see how it plays out. Now, uh... The thing about had Roman Reigns beaten The Fiend at WrestleMania, that would be a moment that you would never have been able to erase. Like, it wouldn't have, you would have had to eviscerate The Fiend. Mm -hmm. Like, that would have been the whole coronation. It wouldn't just be winning the title. It would be finally, this is the end of The Fiend being one of the top guys. The Fiend doesn't get to go on SmackDown the next week and challenge another huge level main event guy. Because Roman Reigns is declared, he's the guy, the whole buildup of The Fiend over these months was just so Roman could be announced champion. And that's the outcome that you don't want. Not this like, okay, this is now the second wonky Fiend thing that's happened. The first was Hell in a Cell. But The Fiend's a strong enough character that we can get past it. And... You know, six years later, I'm sitting there. I remember being in New Orleans at WrestleMania 30 like, what? Yeah. You know I what know. I mean? I was like that, too. We can have, finally, some resolution. And then next year, we could do it with Rusev. Because <laughs> what happened at WrestleMania 31. Yeah. Rusev comes out in a Halloween mask and beats John yeah. Cena. <laughs> but, if, but if I told you that you're going to get Cena and The Fiend Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania, where he's going to get his revenge at everything that took place at WrestleMania 30, and... Not only that, they're going to tell you that that's the story. Yeah. It's the redemption from WrestleMania 30. Yeah, I mean, goosebumps, yeah. right? I mean, and that is basically what you're going to get 
in Tampa. Let's put the Roman and the Goldberg aside. Mm -hmm. You're getting the Fiend Bray Wyatt against John Cena. And I've said that, you know what? They should never have put the title on the Fiend Bray Wyatt. And basically, the Fiend Bray Wyatt is telling you that that title didn't mean anything to him. I mean, you saw what he did to it, the physical. Yes. Right? He, he turned it into a into a Fiend Yes, mask. and he was willing to sacrifice. Again, that word sacrifice, yeah. which is what he used on social media, sacrificing that title so he can get the ultimate goal, which is John Cena at WrestleMania. To me, that's brilliant. And then we can get back there. And he can say, I sacrificed that title, Roman. You're a paper champion. Yes. And now that, that meant nothing to me. Right. Kind of like, you know, we, we saw that with New Japan with the Intercontinental yes. title dragging it on the ground. It doesn't mean anything. This Just title throwing means it nothing in the ring. to me. Yeah. Because I have other goals in mind. It's the same thing here. You're saying His Bray's goal. going full tranquilo. Oh, good apple. Well, yeah, right. And basically for it is. this, yes. Yes. That title didn't mean anything to him. He wants John Cena. And he was able to goat John Cena into a match at Wrestle on his terms at WrestleMania. Yeah, he's 36. successful. I... Call me a shill, <laughs> but I love I love the whole story arc right now. All right, so you see, so now not only do you have me saying stuff, you've got Lagreca here. The saying, AEW mark. You got an AEW mark <laughs> on the podcast saying it. My head's up Cody's ass for crying out. That's loud. true. Yes, that is true. <laughs> By the way, how great was Jake Roberts? Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, Sam, I know we always say it, and you always have me on your show, and you're like, what do you think of pro wrestling right now? You know, the state of pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. If you're a wrestler, how could you not be excited about it's what's so much going fun. on right now? It's so much fun. And I know people like to fight, and, and I guess everyone's trying to relive those Monday Night Wars where you're a WCW guy or you're a WWF guy, but ultimately everybody was watching both shows. Yeah, like, people go like, you know, you know, there was 15 million people watching at the time. No, there wasn't. There, there wasn't. was 8 million people that were switching back and forth. Yes, and and I love the fact, too, that they said that, that we beat Monday Night Football. No, you didn't beat Monday Night Football. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you get? I think the one time they won was like it was a preseason game. It was like right. a, 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 you know, two teams that nobody was excited about. I mean, I know everybody likes to look at the past, but let's look at the present yeah. right now. And the product that's there. Yes. And the fact that, you know— I mean, I would say at WrestleMania, even the people that are mad about Roman Goldberg, that's fine because you got two title matches. You still got Drew Brock. And I don't see how a wrestling fan could be mad about the way this Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar story has can't been be. told. You can't be. Um, you think Drew and Brock should go on last? Yeah. I mean, and I'll give uh, a credit to my, you know, my partner, Bully Ray, where he said that. That match should go on last, and the match that should go on first is Roman and Goldberg. Let that match start the show, because if you let that go throughout however long WrestleMania is going to be, mm -hmm. that, that crowd's going to get anxious, and then you run the risk of them booing the match in general. Well, so that's what I was going to talk to you about, uh, the booing of the match, because I think that's now what people are kind of uh, uh, focusing on. They're going like, well, now that you've done this, you're going to have, and it's fresh in everybody's mind, like, Everybody just watched the Ruthless Aggression documentary yeah. on the network. So now everybody thinks, well, we're going to have a repeat of Brock Goldberg, uh, which I'll, I'll never forget. I was at Madison Square Garden. Were you there for WrestleMania yes. 20? So you remember what that crowd was like. And I remember I was 20 at the time watching them going, they can't get past this. Like they can't. There's just something you could just see in the way Brock and Goldberg were both going. I think they both knew that it was their last time, so their heart wasn't in it. And they couldn't psychologically get past the fact 
that the fans had taken over. And I don't remember another time that I've seen a match, certainly on that level, where the performers succumbed to the fans. It was like watching a comedian get heckler and seeing the heckler win. Yeah, and get heckled and seeing the heckler win and seeing him like the comedian going, oh, if you think this is so easy, why don't you come up here? And the guy comes up here and does a better job. Yeah, and then like, oh, it's like, oh, a, you know, okay. Um, I but, mean, but I don't, I don't see, right now, I don't think that has to happen. I don't see it happening. If I were to predict, I think there will be booze for Roman and there will be booze for Goldberg. And we heard a you both suck chant going. But at the same time, you also heard little pops for Roman. You didn't, like, Roman didn't get booed out of the building on SmackDown when he was face-to-face with Goldberg a week ago. But I was saying, and tell me what you think or if you think it should go different, that I think that if you tell a story where it's, like, you know, really real, the way John Cena and The Rock felt like it was really real, where you've got Roman talking about how nobody wants you here, Goldberg. You shouldn't be here. You're taking, you know, you, you, you shouldn't be here. Nobody wants to see you here. And, you know... Goldberg saying, like, I'm here so you don't get booed out of another WrestleMania main event. But, like, you really go there. I think you you could have fans locked into this thing. I, I You could go that route, or you just go the human element of Roman Reigns saying, you know, I, I battled cancer. Right. And now I'm back, and, you know, I know there was a lot of fans that were against me, and they could show footage of, you know, WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans where people were booing during— which unfortunately people booed and maybe even some people left during what I thought was a very good main event at WrestleMania 34. Roman Brock. Roman Brock. Yeah. I mean, and I and I think they were booing too. And I've gotten people who disagree with me on this, but I think they were booing an outcome that they thought was going to happen but which didn't. didn't happen. Right. Yeah. And nobody nobody will admit. They were like, "No, we're just booing the match." I'm like, "No." And I mean, Roman getting busted open like I, yeah. he did. Like it was. It, it, go back and watch that. You match. named your show after that. Yeah, match. It, that's yeah. right. We, <laughs> yeah. we were called something else prior to that. Yeah, you, you were called it. a figure four. But we, we, we don't yeah. mention that. So no, I'm we, sorry, we, I'm we, sorry. we we don't mention that, so people will forget. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think if you go that human element where you have a sit down with Roman, and Roman's like, "Listen, I battled cancer to come back. This is my dream. This is what I wanted." And I know fans rejected it before for whatever reason. But I hope that that they can get behind me now because I'm here. I'm back here for you. Yes, like you brought me back here. You, it was you, the fans. And if you remember too, when he was first diagnosed, mm-hmm. everyone was behind Roman. A hundred percent. Because you, that's yeah, that's when like the realization kicked in where it was like we're having fun booing Roman, but he really is the biggest star here. Yes. And people, you know, whether people want to acknowledge it while a storyline's happening or not, if you could take a step outside of the bubble that we all kind of put ourselves in as wrestling fans and just really kind of look at the forest and say, no, 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 the biggest tree in the forest is Roman. Like, he, he is the biggest tree. And, and, and he should be. Yeah. And, you know, for those fans that booed, WWE did a great job. You got to give him credit for this. They didn't just throw him back in the main event picture and have him go after a title. They've waited this long. Mm-hmm. They could have did it immediately. May hell, they could if they wanted to put Roman in a match last year's WrestleMania for a title, but they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's take him out of the title picture. Now he's back. Let's bring that story back of why we fell back in love with Roman Reigns and let that be the story. Now Goldberg's going to get booed out of the building, but that's what we want. Right, let's, that's the point. Like, yes. That's okay. If Goldberg gets booed out of the building, great. The point is to not have both of them get yes. booed out of the building. And I think if they go after that, it's going to be hard to boo somebody who fought back and got back where he deserved to be. I think it would be very, very difficult for people to boo him in Tampa. Yeah, I think that would work too. I mean, bringing just bringing people back, doing the work. And again, the four weeks, you've got the time to do it. Bringing people back to where they were 
when he left and like reminding you, like, you know how valuable this guy is. Yes. You know how much you like this guy. And he fought back. He yeah. Ba he, he battled cancer. Yeah. You know, we've all, you know, lost a loved one to cancer. I mean, he actually did it. This is not a wrestling story. Mm -mm. And I also think that there's something to this idea of he took all of the venom that wrestling fans could possibly unleash upon him. And he kept going. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there is something to that. And I think deep down, most wrestling fans see that and go like, yeah, he's one of us. He's, he's, and I, 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 cause I think that's why people, a lot of people booed him, you know, six years ago or whatever, because they were like, he's not here for the right reasons. He's not one of us. He's not, he's here. He's being force fed. Yeah. And throat. he's here for the money. Yeah. And he's just, a, but I think now people are like, no, he's, he's one of, one of ours. And people know that. And there's a difference in booing somebody because I'm booing him because he's a wrestler that I'm booing and booing him because I don't like him and he shouldn't be here. And that's it's it's a different thing for Roman now. I, think. I, I agree. And this I think I really hope people enjoy this moment instead of taking the moment away from him and then ultimately taking the moment away from yourself. Yeah, because, yeah. like I said, at 34, I thought that was a very good match that people didn't appreciate because of the environment that the match was in. Yeah. Yeah. When you start booing that. Like I'm okay. Like they did the same thing technically at WrestleMania 20, right? Like they, you, you didn't. But that was different. That was different. They're, they're out the door, right? And how funny is it too? This is what I was thinking as I was watching that on the Ruthless Aggression special, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Is that they did get booed out of the building, but it's really interesting to me that that was a time when if you left a promotion, you were a heel. Like the fans hated you for yeah. it. Yeah. Like a real like. You sold out was a thing that whenever anybody, if you were leaving WWE to go to WCW, if you were leaving wrestling, if you, Brock was going to the football, you sold out. We don't like you because you're leaving. Now, if somebody leaves, good for them. Yeah. I hope they find what they're looking yeah, for. It's let, really... them be, let them be happy. Yeah. They deserve to be happy. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? It's, it's, it's <laughs> such a, and you, you know, with social media, it's such a weird dynamic and there's some great things about social media, but it does bring a lot of negativity. Um, and there's nothing really to be negative about. Now I know I'm busted open on your show too. You, we, we bitch and complain, which is fine. Right. You know, you're, you're a football fan. You're, you're a, a New York Giants fan. Hey, you're a diehard Giants fan. You want them to make a coaching change or make a change at quarterback. That's fine. But you're always going to be a right. New York Giants fan. I think there's a difference. And when you complain on your show or when I eventually complain on my show, people are listening going like, when is that going to happen? But well, well, at some know. point, I'll probably complain. You are a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Once the checks stop cashing, <laughs> yeah, I'll complain. <laughs> but you could, you could hear the difference between somebody who's complaining as a fan and somebody who's just complaining. Like, there are complaints from people that you go, why are you watching? And there are complaints from people where you go, I want to have this conversation with this person. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, let, let's talk about it. And like, and it's okay to have a different take and a different side. Right. But, but you know, I always I always say with this, I'm still a fan of The Walking Dead. I watch The Walking Dead every Sunday. I mean, it, here, that's for me. I watched it. I started complaining about it. I stopped watching it because I realized... I'm not complaining as a fan. I think this show sucks. Yeah, and I, I like The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. And if if I stop liking it, I'll stop watching it. That's what I did. You know, like and, and and a lot of people have. Like yeah. I'm very there's very few of us that still watch that show. People didn't like it. They didn't continue to watch it and go online and say how terrible it was. They just stopped watching. I was like, this show sucks now. I don't want to watch anymore. 
There you and go. That's that, and that's fine. So, and by the way, I solved the problem. You know how often it bothers me that I don't like Walking Dead anymore? Zero. Zero minutes of the day. Because I don't watch it. There's other things to watch, and there's other things to get into. Like The Affair, the show The Affair on Showtime. I love that show. Mm-hmm. It got it was terrible. I stopped watching. People were like, how could you stop watching? Like It's the last season. I said, because I, I hate it now. It's, just, <laughs> yeah, I don't like it's not it. something I enjoy. I don't enjoy it. I don't watch it. Yeah. Um. So it's such a weird dynamic when it comes to pro wrestling, because even when you're, it's like, I want like you're you're searching for something. You want something that you're not gonna get. Well, if you're not gonna get that, then maybe either a there's plenty of other wrestling. There's MLW. There's NWA. There's AEW. So or just stop watching. Or altogether. just stop watching altogether. Yeah. Maybe maybe you've outgrown it. You and I haven't, but maybe no. maybe somehow never. Oh my god, how many times do we hear that? You still watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guess what? We I'm on the air and. Pretty successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've made a living as just being a fan of it. That's yes. how big this industry yes. is. That has gotten to the place where just being a fan of it, you can make a living doing that. Yeah, and and I enjoy it to the point where, you know, one day it might be taken away from me. Maybe right. one day it won't be as big, but I'm gonna enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. It really is weird though the ignorance towards wrestling that I still to this day, as big as wrestling has gotten. The ignorance to what it is that doesn't exist for anything else in the natural world. Like, I mean, if you don't watch, you don't get it. Yeah. To the, And I, I don't understand. It's It's got to be the simplest form of entertainment in the world. And it still is just beyond people. I mean, people, I've seen people in like suits, you know, like really important, intelligent, successful people who go like, well, I, I wouldn't. I, I can't see myself watching wrestling because it's all fake. I like Ray Donovan. I like uh, I like The Wire. I li- and I'm going. You're not listing documentaries yes, here, guy. Yes, like, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I hate to, and I don't want to. I don't want to bring the bad news on you, but <laughs> Ray Donovan is not a. There's no such person. There's no such. He yeah. doesn't exist. I've seen him be saber tooth. <laughs> He's made up. It's make believe. But it's it's a little bit easier now than it was yes. 35, 40 years ago for me because I became I was I became a fan forty years ago. Right. That's when it was really tough. Right. Well, yeah, because that's before the era of sports entertainment when this idea of we are tricking the audience to some degree still existed. Yes. So. To be a fan was almost to be a mark, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you had it was kind of split. There were people that really did believe it was real, mm-hmm. and then there was people who say that's fake. And as a wrestling fan, you knew that it wasn't real, but you had to defend the fact that it was real. <laughs> because, it was a really crazy <laughs> dynamic. <funny>. Because that's <laughs> the <laughs> you can't sit there and get into the intricacies of it. Yes, you know what it is, and you know why you're watching, and it doesn't change anything for you. But in order to argue. That wrestling is good, you have to argue that it's real. Yeah, and there were, and I'll <laughs> even go a step further. And a lot of old school fans will will know this. As a fan, you were like, "All right, this stuff isn't real, but this stuff is." Right. So, like, you know, Salvatore Belomo mm-hmm. against SD Jones—that's not real. But Jimmy Snuka against Don Morocco in a cage—that's real. That's real. Well, they're bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Sergeant Slaughter against the Iron Sheik—that's real. And. You know, the WWF at the time, I remember watching on the MSG network, like they got into a brawl in the back mm-hmm. and they were dropping MF bombs and all this stuff. This is on, on live and Vince McMahon's 
like dropping f bombs. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, this is real. This has got to be real. Not, how can it not be? This real? has got to be real. And I guess even when you had your like wrestling arguments, was it like, well, the stuff they're doing up north, the WWF stuff is fake, but the stuff down south, NWA. See, now you get real deep. That's real. Well, because I, I, I've told this story on the air. The first time I ever saw pro wrestling. I was at my my buddy Jeff's house, and we were young. It was on a Saturday, and he was watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. And my my fondest memory is— and you grew up in so Jersey, right? Yeah, I live in Jersey. So you're in Jersey watching Georgia Championship? Yeah, because it's on uh, cable TV. Perfect. You know? So he, I, I, my my first memory of wrestling is Gordon Soley interviewing Tommy Wildfire Rich. Uh -huh. And I was like, wow, this guy looks like David Lee Roth from Van Halen. That's right. a, That was my thought. And then I was asking my friend questions, and he goes, have you ever watched wrestling before? I go, no, but this is this is the stuff with Bob Backlund. He goes, whoa, he got all offended. Like, Wait, no, 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 that's, that's WWF. Like, that's fake. This is NWA. This is real. So I'm thinking, well, all right, so the stuff with Bob Backlund and the Samoans, that's fake, but this is real. Right. And then they go to commercial, and then it's Gordon Sully interviewing Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, who's got a chain, and he's spits coming out of his mouth, and he's talking about this... The, the the guy from Van Halen that I just saw, <laughs> Tommy Wildfire Ritz, and I was from then on I was hooked. You watched it, see, like my because I grew up completely WWF, and then watched WCW because it was on or whatever, mm -hmm. but still always WWF loyalist. So really, I mean, when I was a tape trader, that's when I got aware of Tommy Wildfire Ritz's. Like, I mean, I got the magazines, of course, so I knew who he was, but really, I didn't see Tommy Rich live in a wrestling ring until he was in the full-blooded Italians in the ECW. So that, that's, yeah, that's, that's like, you know, over a decade <laughs> yeah. from when I saw him. Yeah. Like completely different. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, somebody who, who, who has that deep of a history in it, where do you stand on the legends thing? I feel like there's a very hot debate right now that people feel like, uh, you know, propping up the older guys mm -hmm. is, 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 putting down the younger guys, right? Yeah. How do you feel about that? It's, I'm a hypocrite. I talk out of both sides of my mouth when it comes to this topic because I do feel that there's a time where you use your legends the right way and the wrong way. We right. saw it with AEW Dynamite with Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts is not getting back in the ring of wrestling, but he's going to bring somebody with him. <laughs> Although it would be great if he showed up next week and he goes, Cody, it's me. Yeah, he drops yeah, a DDT. Yeah. Are we building to a Jake yeah, Roberts? Comes Cody in with the, Rhodes? the you know red sweatpants. <laughs> no, but um, but you know, and then we're seeing in the WWE with Goldberg and the Undertaker, and I think there is a line that mm -hmm. you should at some point. But when Undertaker came out, it's I, I get I guess I get goosebumps nope. like when you hear that music and you see him doing that entrance and and I you know people are like enough already enough when it comes to this time of the year. I'm waiting for what storyline the Undertaker is going to have towards WrestleMania. So it for me, I speak out of both sides of my mouth because at some point, yes, the the legends need to stop and they need to get that other part of the roster over. But I still get excited for the legends. Yeah, I mean, look, there are Undertaker matches that after the match, maybe I'm like, ah, I wish he hadn't come out and done that one. But before the match happens, I've never been upset to see the Undertaker. I I mean, until he decides. I don't want to wrestle anymore. And it's not like he's coming out and doing it, you know, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's here for a moment and then he's gone. 
And I mean, I, 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 I could watch the undertaker wrestle until he's in his seventies. If that's what he wants to do. And and I think at this point he, he can name the time that he wants Absolutely. to step back. He's, like he's he, earned he, it. he deserves that right to say to Vince McMahon, you know what, this year I'm not doing it. That's a pet peeve. I have too. that. There are fans that go, well, do you think the undertaker can carry a match? And I'm like, how would either you or I know if the undertaker can carry a match? What is that knowledge based on that you're giving me? You've not been in the ring with The Undertaker. You don't talk to The Undertaker. You haven't seen The Undertaker train. You have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. Can The Undertaker carry a match? I don't know. I, How would you know? Let's watch the match. All I hear, like I know Mark Henry every once in a while bumps into him. Mm -hmm. They're friends. Sure. And, and he'll tell me he looks phenomenal. Like he's in great shape. You're right. And when I hear that, I get excited. Yes. Yes. He's got the guy's working out. He looks good. Does it really matter what age is? This isn't this isn't professional sports. This isn't the NBA where Michael Jordan can't go out on the court and perform. He's it, playing a zombie. Yes. <laughs> like, he's the dead man. I mean, he's the dead, dead man. man. It's fine. I if anybody can pull it off. Like, you know, can Dolph Ziggler come out in pink hot pants when he's, you know, 60 years old? That would probably be a stretch. Yes. But okay. The Undertaker can do it. He's created this character that, that can exist agelessly. And there was a time, and I know, I know actually Sting heard it and took offense to it, and this is years ago when he was with TNA. Oh, boy. I went on a rant that he shouldn't be TNA champion. Oh, yeah. Didn't he, like... Uh... He no-sold me in an interview. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which had to suck for you because you're like... <laughs> I grew up with the NWA Stinger. I was a Stinger. I was a little Stinger. And, and I also, I also said that I thought that you know you never should have beaten Flair in the Clash. Like, like, Sting was a, a teeny bit overrated. When I say overrated, oh, no. when I say overrated, people take offense to this. I don't look at Sting as like a top ten guy, and a lot of people do. I just don't. Oh, uh, you're starting it again. And I actually did it with Shawn Michaels, and I actually had to address it with Shawn Michaels. You said he's not a top ten guy. I said, no, I said that they had uh, the WWF, WWE, I'm sorry, actually came out with a, a compilation DVD with the you know top 50 greatest superstars. Sure, I remember. And Shawn Michaels was number one. Okay. I was like, Shawn Michaels isn't number one. <laughs> <laughs> Ric Flair is number one. That's the, and, that's the NWA <laughs> just dripping through those 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 old veins well, of yours. Well, that's actually the, the young vein of yours being the WWF mark, but I digress. <laughs> But, and I actually said in the interview, I brought that up because, you know, hey, if I'm going to say it on the air, I'm going to also say it to the person that I'm interviewing. And you should. And he, and he said, well, you know what? In our match at WrestleMania 24, I'm the one who called that match. I called that match against Rick. And, and you, you know didn't what? know that, did you? No, I did not know that. How at would the any time. of us know that? No. Yeah. And it's true. And Ric Flair is the first one to say that if it wasn't for Shawn Michaels. But, you know, but that's the fun of pro wrestling. By the way, I love, too, that Shawn Michaels was like, he would, he, he, because some guys would go, well, you know, if that's your opinion, that's cool. And Ric Flair is great. He's like, I, you know, you should know. I called that man. Yeah, like, like, good for you, and, Sean. And, and you know what? And that's Sean fun. is the man. And listen, I love the fact that's my personal opinion. If somebody wants to come to me and say, you know what, Sting's the greatest of all time, that I'm totally fine with. I don't agree with that. But the fact that you have that opinion, that's awesome. This isn't professional sports where you could say this guy's the greatest home run hitter because here's the stats, here's the numbers, here's what proves that. You can come and say to me, the Ultimate Warrior is the greatest WWE <laughs> superstar of all time. How can I argue that? For you, for you, that's true. I mean, we probably won't talk about wrestling again if I come to you and say the Ultimate Warrior is the greatest of all time. Yeah, like that, maybe, that, maybe you go, we don't have much to talk about. Yeah, that, that's think, all but... right. Then I'll know your knowledge, and then I, there's no reason <laughs> to have a discussion. <laughs> but you like NXT, right? 
Of course I love NXT. Whose brain is there fueling NXT? I, I know that the See, heartbreak in yeah and 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 I'm and again when I say something, do I love Shawn Michaels? Of course I love Shawn Michaels. I love Shawn Michaels. He did the pose, the PWI Ric Flair pose with the you know away with the suit on and everything. I love Shawn Michaels, but you hey, know man, the Zandig pose. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, like you just said it. I grew up on a different type of wrestling than you grew up yes. on. So I'm going to have a little bit of a bias when it comes to certain wrestlers, as you have a certain bias when it comes to certain superstars. <laughs> That's a good way to phrase it. Yeah, I didn't, I'm, know, I'm I didn't know what you were talking about. I'm wrestling with an R. Right. And you're sports entertainment. I love sports entertainment. And, that, and that's fine. I think sports entertainment is the best type of entertainment. And, you know what? You know, and you know who I love watching perform sports entertainment? Uh, uh, superstars. Yeah, WWE and, superstars. And you know what? You know what they win when they are the best superstars? Titles, titles, and championships. <laughs> yeah. See, I love wrestling with straps, <laughs> and they get straps wow. and belts. I won a strap from my wrestling match. Okay, all right. But you got to understand, Sam. That's what I grew. I grew up on Wahoo McDaniel and Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and Bruiser Brody, where. They were trying to portray something that was as real as real can be. So when Dash Wilder and I finally get into a fight, you're taking his side. Yes. You see, I've, actually, I've I've seen some of that already. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that played out. But that, but see, that's the fun side. I like arguments like that. I do too. Because there's no winner to the argument. So you no. and I can discuss. You and I can argue about Sting and Shawn Michaels to our to our faces turn blue. Yes. There's not going to be a winner to that argument. And I love that. I I love the idea of of arguing. Like when you could sit, I love being able to sit down in a room. Who's better, Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair? And we could talk for two hours. Yes. You know what I mean? And then we're going to bring up like. And by the way, you know what's great about tr tr a true wrestling fan? I could bring it up right now off the top of my head and we could talk for two hours. Not researched, not anything. Just off the top of my right, head. Right. Just like, let's. I could say, well, you know, Ric Flair, 16 time world champion. Like, you know, right. again, it's it's not like. You know, a team winning a Super Bowl 16 times. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but it wrestling. means that but a wrestling fan knows what that means, though. Yes. Like a wrestling fan knows that you're not sitting there going, well, he's the best because he beat the most guys. You're sitting there going, it's not an accident that somebody becomes the world champion 16 times. Yeah. And there's a reason that, that, that promoters put faith and you go, you could go as deep as you want to. But being a 16 time champion is the thing yeah, like it, it's, it's it's a note of success and you know when you look when you talk about Shawn michaels all you have to do is bring up the the, the matches that he had with the undertaker at wrestlemania 25 and 26 one of my all-time favorite matches at wrestlemania in seattle with or with jericho your, and you know like, or with your guy at wrestlemania 24 that he called the whole thing yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> was let me ask you this uh-huh was there somebody that you met or interviewed where you were like you fanboyed out like where you were like wow was there was there that wrestler that you were like a little nervous going in a little or had just a tremendous amount of excitement? Um, well, there has been, especially early on. It was all of them, you know, like mm -hmm. early on, it was everybody. But um, I don't know who who would be the one that I was like, man, this is this is big. Um, I still. Like, it, it's people that I go, like, okay, like, I mean, I could talk to this person for six hours. Like, how do I how do I figure out how to have a, just a, a conversation with this person? Like, even, like, Triple H, like, sitting down. Because when you really think about what Triple H has done in professional wrestling, like, that's a guy 
who is unmatched. Not, And I'm not talking about in the ring. I'm talking about overall. And you talk about a guy who has proven beyond all adversity of opinions, proven with everybody in the world talking about why he got to where he is. And, and well, he married this person and he, and he buried that person and he did the... And, and you look at this guy who has just trudged through bullshit forever for the sake of putting on a good wrestling show. Yep. To the point that we get to now. I mean, I thought, you know, the biggest crowd reaction that I think I ever heard live was in Madison Square Garden came the back. night Triple H came back. I think people forget how big of a good guy Triple H was in that moment. And I, that was probably the peak of his of his good guyness. But announcing he's in the Royal Rumble, coming back, going into the Royal Rumble, the internet starts to turn on him and starts to feel like he's burying people and brings up the behind-the-scenes Stephanie stuff and all this stuff. And then he goes with it. Like that wave. Yeah. He goes with it and he turns heel. And all this time that, like, you're sitting there going, you know, at home, like the smart fans, quote-unquote, are going, I want to boo this guy because I, well, I know what he's doing behind the scenes. He changes his character to give you a reason to boo for him on screen. And that's when he starts feathering his yep. hair. And he drops the denim and leather. And he just completely changes who he is. And evolution becomes a thing. And, you know, you could sit there and go, well, he buried this person. He had to beat that person. He had to beat that person. And at the same time, you look at Batista and Randy Orton. And you can't say that he didn't go out of his way to turn them into superstars. Of course he did. Of you know what I mean? He, he, deserved, he gets a lot of flack. I know for me, when it comes to Triple H, it's not even Triple H the wrestler, but the Triple H that is the exact Triple H that's the creative mind. I mean. And, you know, for somebody that is an old school fan, I get annoyed a lot of times. Vince McMahon said it, and I always bring it up on the air when he had that sit down with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin brought, brought up the term pro wrestling and. Vince McMahon almost got offended by that. I, we don't do wrestling. You yeah. know? It's just, Triple H is embracing that. He embraces yep. everything. But I remember it was after one of the NXT takeovers when we were talking about, uh, once again, NXT takeover, outdoing the last takeover. Mm -hmm. And he says, when pro wrestling is done right, it's an art form. Mm -hmm. He won me over with that line. Yeah. Because I said, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. He appreciates it. He embraces it. He's not embarrassed by it. He's not, not only is he not embarrassed by it, he's the biggest wrestling fan in the world. And he's a genius. Yes. Like, you know, for forever, we talked about how Vince McMahon is a genius. And Vince McMahon is an unparalleled genius. I mean, he's an American genius. I think Vince McMahon. He's a great business. He's a, he's a great business. He's a man, genius business. I mean, I think Vince McMahon deserves to be on that. Uh, and of course I do, right? I get, I get my paycheck signed by him. <laughs> but I think, I think Vince McMahon deserves to be on that list of Steve Jobs and Walt Disney and Vince McMahon and like these creative business geniuses. When you take a creative mind and you also have that business side of it where they just change their industry, that's a super rare thing. But at the same time, I don't think people are talking yet enough about the fact that Triple H is a genius. You know what I mean? And you can say as much mm -hmm. good or bad about anything he's done throughout the decades he's been in wrestling. But the guy's a genius, number one. And number two, the evidence of that is the fact that it's now been years that takeovers are the best shows in wrestling. Like, you could, you could watch whatever you want on Wednesdays. 
you could look forward to Wrestle Kingdom all year long. There is no consistently better wrestling show than TakeOver shows. I will say this about TakeOver. I think I've seen the best TakeOver until the next TakeOver. Right. And they lose. If you look at each TakeOver, they lose some of their talent. And right. man, if you look at the TakeOver, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, what, you're talking about five years ago mm-hmm. that the TakeOver? Completely different roster. Completely, completely different. different talent base. And you could have easily said that the Finn Balor, Kevin Owens era of NXT, you're never going to beat that. And you're like, okay. Well, we lost them all. Well, okay, you struck lightning. You got you caught lightning in a bottle with Gargano and Champa. You're never going to beat that. Oh, we got the Adam Cole yeah, era it's, now. It's amazing, and, and and you're elevating. You're elevating. Like you look at the elevation of Velveteen Dream, for example, who I think will probably be the one who goes to take over in the world title match with Adam Cole. And I think by the time we get to that takeover, you'll be like, yeah, of course, Velveteen Dream should be you know the number one contender for the title. But that, I mean. The elevation of that character that feels organic, but it's really quick when you think about I, it. I would, I honestly, and I've I've only interviewed Triple H once, and it was years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I actually saw him talk to you, and you could have introduced me to him, but you decided not to. I understand. That was, that was weird. I guess I must have been big. Maybe I didn't see you there. <laughs> no, we were know. actually having a conversation. He interrupted, didn't uh-huh. even look at me and walked away. And but he talked to me? That. Yeah, of course okay. he did. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually I remember that. This com- is, this I didn't remember actually, you were there. I remember that conversation. This is actually a true H. story. But anyways, <laughs> where but was it? It was I think before SummerSlam. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's. Um, I'm yeah. I can't I can't sit there and sounds like that's. Does that sound like something I wouldn't? Does that sound like something I wouldn't do? No, no, <laughs> which is fine. I, I, and you know what? The, the strange part about it, I get it. I yeah, get, like I, I totally understood it when it happened. What can you do? Uh, but I would really like to have a conversation with him just on that, just on the fact that of his appreciation for pro wrestling, because I think he's doing a great job of attracting that younger fan, keeping a fan like you happy, yep. and also giving a nod to somebody like me. Yeah, because in the one battle that NXT is having with AEW. Is that and and I I believe for myself on Wednesdays I prefer AEW over NXT. You talked about Takeover, that's a completely different mm-hmm. different situation than the weekly product. But the one fan that NXT is definitely getting on a week to week basis is the fan that's my age. Yeah, he, he really has, which been is able really to interesting. Grab the old school fan, which is interesting because NXT doesn't feel like it. I mean, it's it's being done in a completely new way. Right, and all mm-hmm. the characters feel modern and feel contemporary. Because they and, are right. It doesn't feel like this throwback old school thing. But I think it's the mentality. Yes, it's the mentality of the way the product is presented that gets older wrestling fans to go like, "Yeah, this is this is wrestling." NXT would have been successful 35, 40 years ago. You could put yeah. that show on that they're putting now and put that on thirty five, and it would be the number one pro wrestling show. Well, I mean, I mean, it's like the little things. It's like stipulation matches actually means something we're going to build towards a cage match and there's going to be a reason to have a cage match well this match had Mm -hmm. the takeover it had interference we need to find out who's better between these two let's put up a steel cage not just okay well we got to do another thing we got a steel cage we got a ladder we got a table we got like all of this stuff matters you know what i mean like you and and it's just smart you lose rhea ripley from takeover because she's got a wrestlemania match so what do you do what if we put six women who I also think that NXT has the best women's roster. Um, but you put six women in a ladder match, and that makes sense because it's like we're finding out who the yes. number one contender is. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
I, I, I mean, Wednesdays is it's it's a great. It's great. I, Wednesdays are great. Night. You know, and I, I say I prefer AEW over NXT. That's not taking anything away from NXT because I absolutely love NXT. There's just something about AEW right now that's really got my attention. And and you know, and Bully says, you know, Bully Ray says it's the crowd. It's you know that they're doing it in an arena full of people. Maybe maybe that's it. I think there's something to that. But but I do I I, I do love both those shows. Wednesday nights is definitely the must. C night of pro wrestling right now. Well, pro wrestling has gotten us to the point where not only can you hear Not Sam Wrestling twice a week, if you're on Patreon. If you just like the free show, you're only getting it once a week. But if you're on Patreon, you can get it twice a week. But you can get a pro wrestling show on Sirius XM every morning. And I mean, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but morning is the number one time slot in radio. I watch Busted Open go from... I mean, when I first first did the show, what were you on? Were you on twice a week? We were. We started out once a week for an hour, then we went to quickly went to twice a week, and yeah. I think that's when you were on. I jumped twice on a week. at twice a week. It was a co-host who we won't mention because <laughs> you know, let's erase the history. It wasn't even it was the, the the we we will mention your other ex co-host, but the first ex co-host. Well, there was history. two. Well, yeah, but hey, he, he he didn't use his real name. <laughs> you know, it's so, a gimmick name. Yeah, he had a gimmick name. So, you know, I am really Dave LaGreca. Right. Yeah, and it, there really was a Doug Mortman. Right. So, and then, yes. yeah, I feel like the Doug Mortman era is when Busted Open really started to pick up some steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, I mean, I remember the Live for Five campaign was happening. You're just trying to get on five days a week. And, and, and you ended up going five days a week in the afternoon first, right? Yes. Right. And that was with Mortman. Yes. Yes. And then so much attention is put onto this busted open show. Doug Mortman goes and he he goes to other parts of Sirius XM where he is uh incredibly he's a, skilled. He's a VP. He's a VP. <laughs> yeah, he's like, and like when I when when there is stuff that goes through his department and I'm not again, I don't blow smoke. When there is stuff that goes through his department that I've dealt with, it's like perfection now. Yeah. And I go like I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad that he's there. But you jump on, you're like, oh, well, who's going to replace Mortman? And you get Mark Henry. You get Bully Ray. Yep. You get Tommy Dreamer. It's great. It's... You get, like, people who you'd be like, wouldn't it be great to get these guys as a guest? And you're like, well, what if we just did the show with them? Like, yeah, that's, I get, that it, sounds it, good. It's pretty cool. And now we're on live six days a week because we have a Saturday show Six now. days a week and in the morning. In the morning, and we have a podcast as well, the Busted Open Podcast. Which is doing great. Yeah, it's just doing really good numbers. So I'm very, very thankful. I'm, and the, the Busted Open Podcast every day too, right? Yeah, it's every day. Incredible. It's a 40, Incredible. A 45 minute, forty-five minutes to an hour every day. Well, I already know that uh, all the Not Sam Shills in the Discord room are listening to Busted Open. So if anybody's not, tune in, SiriusXM Podcast. I think all wrestling fans can take a page from what you and I do. And this is where I give you a lot of credit, Sam. Uh, And Jim Ross taught me this, and it's something I go by. If you're not successful, then I'm not successful. Like, I I mean, we are truly a community when it comes to pro wrestling because we we have to go against all the outsiders that don't believe in what we're doing. So we need to bond together. Yeah. So whether your favorite show is AEW or NXT or Raw, SmackDown, I I don't know whose favorite show would be SmackDown, (laughs) but let's just assume that there is somebody actually out there. It could be. I I wouldn't want to have a beer with that person, but maybe it could be somebody whose favorite show is SmackDown. Uh, Let's all, like, band together. we're, We're fighting the same fight. Right. Talk about yes. wrestling. D- 
disagree about wrestling, yes. argue about wrestling, agree about wrestling, celebrate wrestling. But just at the end of the day, go to bed happy that we live in an era where we can have these passionate wrestling conversations all the time. Yeah, and let and you know what? If AEW is doing a good job selling tickets and it's getting good ratings, be happy for that. You know, if it's if it's NXT, be happy for that because ultimately it's healthy for the business when everything succeeds. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. Thank you, Dave. We'll do this again. You like my Becky shirt? I, I think I'd wear my one WWE shirt that I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like it. You do like the forty wrestling. How many shirts in a, how many days in a row do you do wrestling? Well, shirts? right now this is day thirty four, and, and you'll go till WrestleMania. Go to WrestleMania. And I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, would you wear one WWE shop T-shirt? Even that one's a bootleg it's one. A, it's a, I do have a WWE shop uh, shirt. What is it? It's a Bray Wyatt shirt. I already wore it, so that's my one so WWE done. shop. Uh, and I you know do, they do buy one. They could do Bogo D. They do. Oh, buy that's one, right. Get it was one. a buy one. Get, there is another one. <laughs> it's somewhere in there. There is another one because there was a buy one get one free. <laughs> well, maybe I give you a not Sam wrestling shirt. That Can counts, I? Right? I was kind of hoping you would. I'll find I one. Will, I will wear it. I'll proudly. find one. Oh, you want to get death threats? Put on your Sam Roberts t-shirt. Did I give you a Dave Lagreca guy t-shirt? No, but I'll wear one. I want a fat head too. I don't even have a fat head. We have a fat head in the studio, but I don't own a fat head. There was somebody at Sirius that told me because AEW is coming to Newark. And they said that you said you can bring my fat head, but make sure you take care of it because I only have the one that's for the, only the one studio. Have, the only one, that's the only one I have is in the studio. So people are just making them on their own? or Yeah, we have this guy, Scott in Long Island, uh -huh. who has been just out of the kindness of his heart, has been making these fat heads and sending it to people so that they have them. Tell Scott not send one for the Not Sam studio. Well, I mean, the poor guy. I mean, I'm not asking him to do anything. And it's, it's just that he's doing this because he's a loyal nation member and he wants to spread the word of the LaGreca head. I'll throw one up. You would? I'll throw one up. You know what? All right. I'll make sure that you get one Let's somehow, do it. some way. Thank you, Dave LaGreca. Sam, thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.